0: So let me, uh, let me uh, rewind back to uh, 1986, okay? So I had just graduated from medical school, and I was gung-ho to be an orthopedic surgeon, and I don't know why. Here we go.
1: We're back! No hiccups. Say no mistakes. Is- what do you want to be when you? This grow podcast
2: up? is always flawless, no doubt about it.
1: One of the one of the most highly well produced podcasts mm-hmm, out funny. there. Kids, what do you want? What do you?
2: This almost gets me as amped as the Marvel Marvel music at the beginning of every terrible Marvel show.
0: What do
1: you want when you grow up? Welcome back, everyone. To another episode of Becoming a Doctor, a podcast where two fourth-year medical students talk about the only thing that we ever talk about. Medical school. It's our lives. (laughs) Um, I'm your host, Santana Sanchez. And I'm your co-host, Kevin Gale. And you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, at becomingadoctorpod.com. And on Twitter, at... That's the at sign, yes, Kevin. I yep, was doing I can it in the air. It. <laughs> <For> the- at <laughs> Becoming a Doc Pod.
2: It's so funny you bring that up because I was hanging out with Danny's friends yesterday. Okay. And Danny like mentioned something about the podcast quietly. Yeah, and they're like, "You have a podcast, Kevin? Where can we find it?" I said, "Nowhere. We don't. Put it, <laughs> we don't put it anywhere. We mm. don't advertise it. There's mm. no website." Does it? Yeah. And they're like, "Oh, that's too bad. You should do that." It's
1: just for us. <laughs> I did not want to share it with Danny's friends. That's what I'm saying. I don't want to share it at all. Yeah, I'm embarrassed that anybody listens to this.
2: Uh, no, I love it that your mom listens, my dad listens. I know it's nice. Okay, keep going. Uh, with the Are we done with the intro?
1: That's it, welcome
2: Oh, okay, welcome Everyone. back <laughs> <laughs> uh, You said uh, it's 4th of July Oh nighttime. yeah, happy 4th of July Happy 4th of July You said, hey, I don't have anything planned We talked about it, let's talk about our last week
1: This is a special 4th of July episode 4th of July
2: episode, pew pew pew
1: uh, You shooting off any fireworks later? Uh, depends what you mean, but <laughs> m- most
2: likely no I don't have any fireworks. Oh boy!
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> so me and you, for the first time I think ever, are well, accidentally, maybe not. We're doing the same rotation at the same time. We're doing the
2: same rotation at the same time. The exact same class. The exact same, same course. class. And it's our rotation in, in- intensive care unit yes. medicine. We both are... There's different types of intensive care units. Should I explain what it is? I actually looked it up on Google. Yeah, I would love to hear. Okay. Intensive care units. What is an an intensive care unit An ICU? Intensive care refers to the specialized treatment given to patients who are acutely unwell Mm. and require critical medical care. Critical care. An ICU provides the critical care and life support... Critical care. ...for acutely ill and injured patients. Pretty redundant pretty pretty redundant here's some examples though uh, some hospital icu specialize in providing care for particular health conditions such as major trauma mm. severe burns mm. respiratory failure you think mm. about all the people who experienced respiratory failure secondary to covid yes they yep. were a lot of them had on breathing machines ventilators they were in the icu if they Pres- had a ventilator or breathing machine precisely organ transplants very complicated medicine that goes to the icu a lot of times afterwards um, spinal surgery, car- cardiothoracic surgery, etc.,
1: cetera, etc. Cetera, you know, etc., 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 etc. So that's the ICU. Yes, I. It is the Fourth of July. I was just at my mother's home. Yep. And she was asking me, "Oh, what are you doing? What's the ICU?" And I was like, "Well, it's where the most the sickest people in the hospital go. Basically, everybody, at least at the hospital that I'm at, everybody that's there is either uh, hooked up hooked up to a ventilator." Yep. Machine is breathing for them through a through a uh, breathing tube, or they're requiring medications to keep their blood pressure up. Right. Right. Um. So if you're sick enough to require one of those two things at the hospital that I'm at, you go to the ICU.
2: And that's a great way to describe it. Well, how would you describe it to your mom? I've described it to some randos, and I always say, "Oh, it's where the sickest people in Minnesota go to get help." Right? Because that's true. I'm at Hennepin County Medical Center, Mm -hmm. and I would say the sickest people in Minnesota go to four hospitals, probably, and one of them is Hennepin County Medical Center. Yep. So the sickest people in Minnesota, when they need help and treatment, they go to the ICU, the intensive care unit. Precise. Okay, so that's the little intro. Enough of the intro. Enough. How has your week been?
1: Ooh, it's been... Great. <laughs> no. What was b- that
2: first sound you said?
1: Ooh. Ooh.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's been great. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think that that Luigi sound sums up the week, especially the first couple of days. You know what sums up my first couple of days at the ICU? No. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the game over sound? <laughs> no.
2: I don't know. I'm just pressing random buttons oh. that I downloaded. Well. Okay,
1: give me your first week at the ICU. Uh so the ICU, we're there. We get there at 7 a.m. Stay till question mark. You get
2: there at seven a.m. because I start working at six thirty.
1: Uh I guess I get there between six thirty and seven. Okay. It depends.
2: Anyway, stay there till question mark.
1: So they're long it's uh early start, long days.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and I mean, I have really no, I had no prior experience with um, ICU um, or patients who were intubated. Right. Um, so it would have been a very steep learning curve. Mm. Um, and it's just a little bit different way of practicing medicine. I thought that it was going to be very similar to my, like, in like an internal medicine, like a normal hospitalized patient. Um, <clears throat> type rotation sorry i'm getting choked up a little bit
2: (laughs) don't get choked up dude
1: um dude but it's very podcast
2: is almost over
1: hurry it up (laughs) anyways i feel like i've learned a lot uh over the first week but it's just been a big adjustment uh that is the best way to describe it steepest
2: learning curve out there yeah the other rotations you kind of could fall back on what we learned the first two years, mm-hmm. maybe what we learned for the first two licensing exams. Yep. Not a thing we learned ever comes into play at the ICU. Yeah. It's like a whole different type of medicine. It really is. Um, And I think day one, I remember you coming home, maybe day two afterwards, you're like, how are you learning this stuff? Yeah. <laughs> I said, I don't know. Who knows, right? Because- we haven't been taught it. So we basically have to self-teach ourselves during the ICU.
1: Yep, exactly. Which is
2: okay. There's pluses and minuses.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of how it goes on a lot of clerkships is like you are you get your medical student, you're helping out take care of one or two patients, and it's like you try to learn a lot about that patient and their care and use that uh, that person's health scenario and treatment plan to kind of build your learning on whatever uh, condition they have. right? And that's just to the max. Tur- that type of learning is turned up to the max in the ICU. Yeah, 100%. Um, uh,
2: for example, my first patient was on a ventilator, on a breathing machine. Yep. And so I get there, and the first day, I'm only taking care of one patient, and half the day I'm just teaching myself about ventilators. Exactly. Which I can apply to all my ICU patients eventually. Right, but that is the everything that's going on in the ICU basically. Exactly. It's like, okay, this is brand new. I right.
1: teach myself and then apply it. Right. They're on a ventilator. They have an external pacemaker. Right. They're on XYZ infusion medications. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't know how this works. No clue. Well now but now after one week, maybe we do have a little bit of an idea of how those things work.
2: Well, maybe, maybe not, right? You know, you know what I'm saying?
1: Maybe we do have an idea. Nice. Perfect. Deceptions. Um, But I have, I mean, I've, uh, as I've gotten a little bit more comfortable with, like, the day-to-day, how, how the ICU kind of runs, um, and just getting more comfortable, we talked about this before, with every new rotation, you have to become comfortable with not being experienced, not really having the full picture of anything, not truly knowing what's going on. Yep. As I've gotten more comfortable with that in this new clinical setting, I have started to um, enjoy it a little bit more.
2: That's good. That's awesome to hear.
1: Yeah. So I'm looking forward to the rest of the month. Unfortunately, tomorrow I start my week of nights. What? <laughs> for real? Tomorrow night? Tomorrow night. Is
2: it from 7 p.m. to 8 a.m.?
1: Yes, 7 p.m. to 7, hopefully 7.30 a.m.
2: At HCMC, it's 7 p.m. to
1: 8.30 a.m. Yeah, that's going to be a (laughs) doozy. That's going to be a doozy. And listeners, you know how we feel about nights as a med student. Have
2: we talked about nights as a med student? It's a... Overrated. (laughs) It's
1: a buzz. It's one of these. (laughs) When
2: When I have night shifts coming up, I'm thinking...
1: Is that the game over sound? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm thinking this for tomorrow. 7 p.m. rolls around.
3: <laughs>
1: um.
2: Uh. Yeah. But oh boy. Yeah. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a long week for you.
1: But we've kind of switched roles now. I'm at a hospital where there's no residents. Oh my gosh. That's right. I'm working directly with um attending physicians. So for this night shift, it's going to be me and a phys- and a trained ICU physician. Um, so it should be a really good learning opportunity. Dude, that is going to be sick. Except for that I'm going to be there in the middle of the night.
2: Yeah, but I'm telling you, you know, you know, this is your first week with just, just physicians. Yeah. They it's, got, they know the answers. You can ask whatever you want. It's and they're, been it's like baller. An open I mean, <laughs> what? I told you this before, but I'll tell it again. I show up, and the first-year residents have just started. This is their first week in the ICU. Yeah. This is us in a year. Yep. And they are pretending to be doctors. And that the look on their faces of being overwhelmed and scared, that is the, <laughs> that is the people who are teaching me about the ICU right now. Yeah. The physicians, they come and go. I barely see them. Right, they haven't. I, I haven't even learned. Guess how many? Guess how many different attendees? These are the docs in charge, right? Yep. I've only been there for six days. Yes, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Guess how many different attendee physicians I've had? One, three. Wow. I've had three different attendee physicians. So none of them know my name. None of them know who I am. That's a tight spot. It's a tight spot. Anyways, I will say this. I am glad we're doing the ICU because it reminds me that there's still a lot to learn and I need to keep working hard. Love it. And that's a good thing.
1: Love it. I also, one more thing that I like about the ICU. I love the way that they, um, the uh, ICU docs and nurses break everything down by systems and are very deliberate and meticulous about going through, Oh, what is this person's neurologic problems? What is this person's respiratory problems? It's very helpful for me as, um, a learner to, forced to be that organized yeah and we haven't done that at all really <laughs>
3: Yeah.
2: oh man
1: <laughs> coming from family med where that's not always the case yeah and it's very like problem specific yep kind of ignoring the rest um it's just a good reframe that there is a lot more to a person's um than their one or
2: two problems they one or two problems i love it dude i might just drop out and and sign up at w-
1: your hospital next month maybe <laughs> uh Well, I'm parched. Oh, me too. Me too. Let's crack open one of our favorite treats.
2: It's been a long week. I'm looking forward to a favorite treat. What is it, Santana? (laughs) (laughs) Listen to that microphone quality. I know.
1: Wow. Unbelievable. Uh, We got ourselves a couple of bubbly 16 ounces. Tall boys. Picked them up, especially for this record. Only the best for my boy... (sighs) Thanks, Santana. You
2: always know it, you know. I had a long day at the ICU, and I came home, and you had set up my standing desk, and it just almost brought a tear to my eye. Yeah, Francesca and I thought, you know, this will be, this will make Kevin's day. Buy me a bubbly, set up the Franny bakes us a cake today. Unbelievable! You guys, best roommates. Okay, is that the ICU? Anything else? Any final remarks in the ICU? Um no, that's it. I really I mean I joke about it a lot, but I am excited about it because we're going to learn a ton and also it makes me it fires me up to learn more. I don't want to be that that resident who starts and just feels super overwhelmed. I want to at least have a solid knowledge base and I kind of I have an idea what I need to study for a while. Yep. So that's awesome. Yeah. So anyways, we'll get there. Exactly. Or becoming doctors one day at a time. You're becoming a doctor. <laughs> I'm saying the podcast title. Oh, yep.
1: (laughs) All right, what's next? Next, it's... Time to go mobile. Let's get our guest on the phone, huh? Time to go mobile. Introduce our guest. Let's go. Wow. This is maybe the best guest in the history of podcasts. No doubt a top
2: guest ever. I agree. Ever.
1: Um, I think that uh, Pod Save America got Barack Obama one time. (laughs) Not even close. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs>
1: We've had Runvir Vazdev We've had Amrit Vazdev We had a s- Little cameo Of Billy Vazdev But we need Time to upgrade <laughs> Those Those Vazdevs <laughs> Are old news.
2: <dues. laughs> we want The Patriarch of the family mm-hmm. The father The head of the household
1: Yes Gary Vazdev Dr. Gary garinder vazdev Uh, let's call him up that's our guest this week guys let's call him up right now he's an anesthesiologist yep at the mayo clinic best hospital in the world he's there that's where he works he's practicing so let's get him on the phone i'm so excited yeah me too here we go he takes he's taking some time out of his fourth of july holiday to talk with us (laughs) on our stupid podcast well,
0: hello boys. Yeah, <laughs> Gary. <laughs> hello. How are you?
1: Oh
2: we're okay. It's so nice to hear your voice.
0: Well, likewise, are you keeping cool in this uh uh un- unusually warm weather?
1: We are keeping cool. We're inside,
2: we got the
0: Shades drawn
2: Yep, we got our tall carbonated beverages mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Oh, fantastic I hope there is some uh, ethanol in those carbonated
2: beverages <laughs> Well, maybe a little later We wanted to say sober for the pod but <laughs> Oh, okay <laughs> No for ethanol sure. Wait, what is your preferred carbonated beverage? What's down there? It's got the magnesium in it that the Vaz does drink mm. What is that one?
0: Oh, the Gerald Steiner The oh. Gerald Steiner
2: <laughs> It's a Vazdev tradition <laughs>
0: The tradition so yeah for
2: sure okay gary give us the intro who is gary Vazdev
0: well uh, gary actually garinder Vazdev is a <laughs> anesthesiologist at the mayo clinic he's a consultant anesthesiologist i've been on staff now for 26 years wow. i've been doing <laughs> i've been doing anesthesia for 35 years and um and I've done most things, um, and I was the president of the Society of Obstetric Anesthesia and Perinectology. I'm boarded in critical care as well, as well as OB anesthesia and liver transplant anesthesia. And my career really spanned three sort of major chunks. So I did OB anesthesia, I did critical care, and then in the latter half of my career, I've done transplant and hepatobiliary anesthesia. And um, and with that, it's been great. There's never a bad day, and um, and uh, I've enjoyed my uh, work. And I think uh, working at the Mayo Clinic is fantastic because of the opportunities, of the different types of patients, and the resources that we have. You know, we are very, very, very lucky that we have resources. Are you going to
2: try to recruit us for Mayo residency? Uh, We're not going to anesthesiology, but you know, we'll consider other options.
0: Well, uh, here are the pros and cons of uh, of Mayo Clinic residency. Oh, this there, is great. <laughs> the, there, there is no doubt that the quality of education that you get and, and um, uh, the in-depth education and exposure to patients and the volume of patients that you get is is bar none. It's a leader in um, graduate medical education in many, many spheres, and uh, but you've got to answer the 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 cons are you've got to answer the big question. The big question is, who are you? What do you want to do? And where do you want to go? And is Mayo Clinic part of that uh, plan? And um, and if it is, boy, we welcome you here. But uh, if there is something else that you seek, um, it's more important. This is now, this
2: is a perfect example. Santana is answering these questions. Who are you? You are a partner to Francesca Pietrantonio. True. Where do you want to go? You want to try to get to the West Coast to support your partner.
1: Absolutely. West Coast, West Coast.
0: (laughs) So uh, with that, uh, I think uh, if we just use him as an example, so, you know, if the future for him drives him to the West Coast, then perhaps doing his residency on a West Coast uh, major medical institution Would be in his best best uh, interest because of the fact that he can settle in an area and he Mm -hmm. can start making friends. Now it doesn't mean that the education that he would get from a Mayo Clinic or Harvard or or you know Yale or or whatever Brigham um, uh, isn't bad. Those are all good things to have that quality of education. But then when you think about the big picture of of moving to Seattle or or wherever Portland, wherever you want to be, and Mm -hmm. then. Getting into the housing market, getting settled down, making the money, making the, doing the boards, all that sort of stuff. And then, and then it's also time for you guys to start a family.
2: Well. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I've been telling Santana and Franny, it's, the clock's ticking, time to start a family.
0: It, it, it is. And, and, uh, and sadly, you know, that, that is, um, uh, um, you know, the reality of life right now. So, um. So it's important that when you kind of sit back and take that 37,000 foot view of your life and you divide it into, you know, when you were sort of from your zero to 20s, you're kind of growing up and getting educated and, you know, learning your moral principles and who you are and what you are. And then between 20 and and 40, you kind of use that time to build your career, your education, your financial structure and um, your stability. And then you just add in on the tail end of that, you start your DNA replication. And, <laughs> and, 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 then, and then life does take a little twist because the, 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 the little DNAs take a lot of uh, energy and uh, focus and things like that to get them um, uh, up to speed in a very complex world. You know, when I was a, a little boy, I mean, we, we had black and white TV. I'm talking about the 1960s, okay? And Mm -hmm. so when you guys were little, um, you had Nintendo and all these other things. So, you know, it's just like the society's leaps and bounds forward. And when you have your children, you know, they'll already be on, uh, you know, the 10th version of iPad and, you know, the 16th version of iPhone and things will be all in a cloud and they'll be able to interact with the cloud a lot better than, than we can. So, you know society is evolving so it's not
2: it's not about if we have children it's about when we have children right Santana uh (laughs) I want to go back to uh your uh DNA replication Amrit Vazdev (laughs) yes I want to answer the I want you to help her answer the questions those three questions who you are what are your goals and where you want to go because I think she wants to kind of follow in your footsteps Gary Vazdev's footsteps
0: for her uh, i think i think Amrit uh, is a um, person who really really likes home she's a homebody and you know ever yep. since she was a little girl she's liked home she likes coming to rochester she loves coming home and uh, she has a very very close uh, bond with mummy and uh, she she enjoys that in fact she would rather spend her time Chatting and talking to uh, mom and grandma and you know Grandma in England, then go out having fun on the town you know mm-hmm. so um, that 's her that 's her personality that 's who she is and with that comes with uh, uh, with what i 'm doing here in in Rochester and that 's familiar, and I think she likes that and um, uh, but you know she 's a fantastic um, uh, student, and she can go anywhere she wants and do whatever she wants. She's got the ability. Oh, that's Absolutely. the
1: nicest thing to say about your kids. That's so great. Yeah, um, I want to go back a little bit to something you said earlier. So we were asking, or Kevin asked, what's the what's the what's the, Gar- the Garinder Vazdev story? And you kind of jumped into saying, "Oh, I'm an anesthesiologist. I did these three, uh, you these three phases of your career." I'm yeah. curious how you. Came about the decision to become an anesthesiologist because we're kind of at that part in our lives, our pre-careers, really, where we're kind of trying to figure out what what does being a physician look like for Kevin and for Santana. And it sounds like okay. for Gary, you decided anesthesia. And so let me, uh,
0: let me let uh, me rewind back to uh, 1986, okay. So I had just graduated from medical school and I was gung-ho to be an orthopedic surgeon and I don't know why. So I decided in England, you do uh, residency type jobs uh, in order to fulfill the type of training that you want. So I went to a very nice uh, place to do um, training in orthopedics. It was called the Royal United Hospital in Bath. And it, it really turns out some of the the finest orthopedic surgeons in the country. So I started working there, and I really enjoyed it. And I, you know, I was at a young age. I was putting dynamic hip screws in, and I was sorting out fractures, and I was doing this and that. It was it was a, a good time. And then part of that rotation, I go and did I did six months of ER, and as I'm doing my ER, I said yeah, this is even better. I mean, I've got the trauma, I've got the medicine, I've got, you know, the drunks, I can suture, I've got plastics, I've got all this. I said, maybe this is the way forward. So I sat down with my then boss of um, uh, ER, and, uh, and he said, you know, Gary, why don't you do six months of anesthesia because that's very important to build up your resuscitation skills if you want to be an ER physician. And and then see how it goes. So I said okay, and then I applied for anaesthesia rotation, and I got and and there's a very prestigious hospital in London called Guy's Hospital, and um, and I got onto their rotation, which takes you into a uh, lovely town called Brighton, and uh, and you may be familiar with Brighton because that's where the IRA bombed Margaret Thatcher in that town. So I ended up in Brighton and. Um, and I started doing anesthesia. I was a bit cutsy at the first, you know, not knowing the subject. But within, I think, six weeks, it was like duck to water. It came instinctively. Oh, so nice. I, didn't, I didn't have to think about it. Um, it's a bit of a service job, you know, because you're like, you know, the only person who's having fun in the OR is the guy with a knife in his hat. Everybody else is just there hanging on, keeping things going, you know. So true so um so it's a little bit boring from that perspective but when the excitement does come we're we're good and then you know we get involved in in the trauma and running down and intubating people and uh, getting involved with uh, road traffic accidents and you know big thoracic injuries and all that and so it becomes quite exciting from that perspective but we're not hands in the in the guts kind of um, uh, specialty uh that's more surgery and um
2: and I guess so, if, it, if, it, if it stops getting exciting, you can switch, like you've done three different sectors of, of anesthesiology, right? You can always te- learn a new sector of it, too.
0: Correct. And if you work in a big enough institution, you can just rotate within that institution. For example, I went to Arizona and helped them start their um, liver transplant program. And I went to Florida and helped them start their OB anesthesia program. And, and I worked there for several months. And then um, I went to Mankato to help them with the transition uh, from uh, their private practice to a mayo style practice. And, and that was fun. So all these little adventures that I've had in my career have all been um, fun because it's something different. You d- interact with different people. And f- on, for the most part, people are very appreciative. And, and I'll tell you one thing. If you ever do OB anesthesia, the moms absolutely love the anesthesiologists. You go in there, you put the epidural in, and instant relief. <laughs> <laughs> so and we're very popular, and
2: you do it with a smile on your
0: face, right? <laughs> sure. And at three o'clock in the morning, it is kind of hard to smile, but you've got to think of it from the patient's perspective. You know, they, mm-hmm. they've they've come to hospital because they're they're unwell, and and don't ever forget that, and uh, and just try to make it. As, as pleasant for them as possible. And sometimes it's hard for us because we're tired and the patient's unwell and, and the answers aren't uh, coming together quickly enough for you. Uh, just be patient and, uh, and just try to understand that, you know, we're all in this uh, together and we're doing this profession primarily to help people.
2: I love it. Just extolling the wisdom on us. I'm gonna, have to, I'm gonna have to go back and listen to this podcast three or four times to get to, to kind of saturate it all, soak it up, you know. Um, and and one of the things I wanted to ask you about, we know Umred and Runveer very well, mm-hmm. and I think both Santana and I would agree. I don't want to speak for you, Santana, but I will. Go ahead. They are some of the hardest working med students out there. Yeah. How, where does that work ethic come from?
0: How did how
2: do you do that for your children?
0: Well well I'm I'm blessed because um I think they see us working hard and uh they don't know anything else. And um and, and and they've seen that we've been successful working hard. And um so I think with those kind of uh interests that they have, um they've uh, kind of fostered that and and they wanna be good at this because if you want to help somebody, you, you want to be the person that can help them completely. And, and unless you really know your subject, which is medicine, really, really well, uh, even if you do um, a small part of medicine, which uh, perhaps doesn't pertain to their, uh, their current illness, but by having a big base to your, to your knowledge, you i think you can be a much better proponent for your patients you can help them much more appropriately uh, you can be much more diligent about not missing things because um i'll tell you being an er physician uh, i'm not but the biggest dread an er physician has is missing a shaken baby i mean you can't live with yourself if you miss that mm-hmm. and and so if you're not um Really, Johnny, on the spot, and uh, you know, watching for all the telltale signs. Uh, You know, I'm not talking about the gross signs. It's just the the really fine signs that uh, you know um, you uh, you really want to be able to be uh, on the on the on the ball. And for that, you just got to be a very dedicated sort of studious type. and And I would encourage uh, all of you uh, to to follow that vocation, not for. The sake of doing well at med school or anything like that—that that doesn't really mean anything. It's just to do Very well true. for your patients. If you're learned, well-researched, well-educated, and broad-based, you can help your patients in more than one way. And uh, and that's what I would encourage all your uh, podcast listeners.
1: <laughs> that's great <laughs> advice. That is
2: great advice. We uh, we both Santana and I both started our ICU rotation and intensive care unit. And what you're saying kind of rings true to me right now because I'm seeing the first-year residents who just started, they're in week one of their first-year residency, and they might not have the, the gigantic depth of knowledge. And I want to, in a year, I want to have that knowledge at least to make good, informed decisions so I can be helpful for my patients, right? I don't want to be making bad decisions for my patients. It's really motivating me to learn this year.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. And and every you should take every opportunity to learn. I mean, it's just like like when you drive a car, you know, every corner you take, you know, or the crossroad intersection you take, you try to take it better. I want to make this perfect. I want to make this corner perfect. I want the speed ride, the, you know, the curve ride, and I don't want to be lurched in the car and all uh, that sort Santana
2: actually a terrible driver, so he doesn't do any of that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm working on it, Kevin. G's. Well, it, it, it,
0: it's like that. So, uh so that's the that's the principle to put to medicine that, you know, every opportunity you get to learn something new or more, learn something different and a different way of looking at things, you know. I mean, look at just last year with COVID. I mean, all our world was topsy-turvy. We've done things completely different. And we're looking at medicine in a completely different horizon now. Um we never had the amount of um remote uh uh location uh physicians before everything is on uh, ipad and you can interact with your patients long distance and um and and that's really opened up uh a lot of uh, opportunities for uh, for improving the well-being uh, at a distance and so, uh, World's changing I, the world is the, changing. Oh, and, and we're just touching on AI. I've seen some of the new stuff that's coming in AI, and um, it's just marvelous what they can do. You know, uh, they use the data sets, they can do predictive modeling. And Do you remember? You probably don't remember this, but when when the weatherman used to come in the old days, they used to have a big chart with some little clouds on it, and it yeah. uh, yes. would tell you what it is now. They can give you Doppler radar right there, and they'll say, here's the hurricane, this is the speed of the hurricane, this is how fast it's going, and this is what time it's going to hit you. And there are and they're five projections of, of the path it's going to take. It's going to take this one, this one, this one, and, and then they'll put a percentage on each one of those pathways. So if they can do that for a hurricane, think what they can do for a cough or a murmur in your heart or a little tummy upset.
2: I love it. I, you know, We're going to keep learning our entire career. but I, I'm not here to talk about data sets, AI. I want you to give some advice to Santana about getting married and having kids. That's what I want to hear. What? Lay down some advice for Santana and Francesca. They've been dating for seven years, Gary. What do you think about that? That's well,
1: not what this podcast uh, is about.
0: <laughs> well, uh, my, this is just dad advice. It's nothing else. I, I think she's a lovely girl. It's and true. And uh, they don't make girls like that. So... Uh, if you don't grab her, somebody else will. Because oh. <laughs> at, 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 at some point, she her biology is going to say, "I I need to settle down." And and if you're not if you're not the guy saying, "Yeah, let's settle down," then and somebody else comes and says, "Hey, you're so cute, I want to settle down with you." <laughs> guess what? It happens.
1: See ya, Santa. <laughs> That's so, great advice.
0: Yeah, I mean, lock her uh, down before uh, and, somebody else does. Grab her before somebody else does, and 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 you know, there's no there's an old saying about you know computers, you know are computers, male or female, and and of course the the uh, the females all say um, they're male because uh, uh, to get any attention from them you have to turn them on, and uh, uh, they're you know they're always sort of breaking down on you, and just when you finally get used to one, a better model comes along. And, and, the the guys, <laughs> yeah, and the guys say that the um, computers are female because they can talk to each other and you don't understand what they're saying. <laughs> the old saying. <laughs> yeah, the old saying. And, uh, but Franny's so, you know.
2: like the newest laptop around, the best around. They don't and make not only like, that, like
0: she, she, she's better than uh, Watson and she has AI. And uh, so she's going to be a great mother to your children. You've got to think of things in a slightly different way. She's gonna be a great mother to your children she's gonna be a great partner to you uh, and right. you're gonna make a, a a life together so you have, it's called building a home uh, having a family bringing you know getting the 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 whole development of the little ones running off to soccer camp or whatever else they'd want to do the
1: small DNAs the small
0: DNAs <laughs> tennis and taekwondo and and all that <laughs> all that sort of stuff and um, uh, and you need somebody that that uh, is there for you and has those uh, the shared values that you do, and and she does, and it's uh, and it's very very important that you uh, do the right thing. That
1: I don't drop the ball, Gary. You're so right. I'm going to yeah. commit to you right now on this pod. I will lock lock her down for good.
2: It's on, I,
0: it's on the it's pod. It's on the pod.
1: It's on the it's in the permanent record. Franny and I till the end of time, guaranteed. Wow, that's nice. Oh, that
0: you uh, I'm so I'm so happy for you. That's all I can say. I'm very very happy for you, and I'm very proud of you for doing this. And uh, um, but I'm not going to give you any money for the diamond ring. You got to <laughs> this come on, <laughs> Uncle Gary. <laughs> Don't hit me up for that. <laughs> traditionally it's meant to be a month's money yeah exactly (laughs) well
1: my zero dollars
2: an hour (laughs)
0: yeah
2: all right so gary you know the last question of the pod the best question of the pod we want to hear a controversial take something something spicy from gary a hot take a hot take
0: well i I want to give you something that i think your generation needs to think about a lot more this is perfect loves the setup um, it's th- that I, th- America right now is facing a shortage of physicians. Okay. And this is a multimodal thing of why we have that, you know, it was a number of, um, spots in medical school, uh, number of, um, spots in residency. Mm-hmm. And then we had a bubble, uh, you know, the uh, boomer bubble, which is now, uh, retiring. And so there is a kind of deficiency of that also coupled with that is that we're all living longer and and we're living longer with more chronic illnesses and uh, um, and you know when I was a lad multiple myeloma was you know that was it you we were gone now we've got people 10 15 years you know with, with living um, a fairly healthy life so so with all this advent and um, more need for medicine we uh, we as a medical profession are going to be very busy. We're going to have to work really hard because there's so much demand for our our services. And there are going to be holes in that system which what uh, I call mid-level providers who do a fantastic job will try to uh, make uh, inroads into that. And that's where we will start seeing some kind of uh, political... Um, uh, discourse where we're trying to set boundaries between what we do and what they do. Okay, and uh, so you know, this is spicy. Uh-oh. I love it so
2: far. Keep going.
0: <laughs> so uh, as as these <clears throat> these these things um, evolve, uh, you know, there'll be some you know hard and fast rules of what we can and cannot do, and then and then the the legal system here. It's quite interesting, you know, there's checks and balances everywhere. <clears throat> so when you try to put a hard line, you know, somebody's going to find an eraser. So um, so I think you've got to keep your eyes and ears open about uh, competition, not only from other physicians, but from mid-level providers. You've got to l- look out for your patients to make sure that you are providing the kind of care that nobody else can provide. So for example, if you're providing the same care as a mid-level is, then why are they coming to you? So and you're not a, doing it right. It's so you do. So you have to be very, very sure that what you're doing is is exemplary. So that's why I would advocate the the hard work, the studying, the refinement, uh, the big, broad-based education. You know, I love the University of Minnesota and what it does for you guys. Uh, you get to see many, many facets of medicine. You know, you've got the rural medicine. You've got the uh, uh, VA medicine. You've got the university medicine. And then you've got the big private hospitals up there. Mm-hmm. So you get to see all that, you know. And it's fantastic because you can see healthcare benefits and disparities in all these systems. And, um, and I think that makes you a much better uh, and much more grounded uh, person when you come to uh, choosing your own destiny. I
2: uh, I have a lot of sympathy for the mid-level providers, though, the, the physician assistants, the certified nurse practitioners, because some of them uh, by these large organizations are treating them like they are providers. They're getting the most complica- complicated patients. They're getting a full workload just like a physician, and they're kind of being paid a lot less and expected to do the same type of work. I think that's really like a really sad state of it's not good for
1: patients it's not good for the mid level providers um and and like you're saying, Gary, it's potentially not good for um physicians either it's really a lose 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 potentially the only one that's winning is a is the is like hospitals the, writing the check yeah
2: university of Minnesota fairview right because they just want to pay people less to do the same work
0: It's a tough spot well you know uh, uh, um just to be uh, um Balanced in our in our assessment of the situation is that they have a need for so many uh, people to do so many things, and and they just don't have enough physicians. Okay, and mm-hmm. so if when you don't have enough physicians and the demand is still there, then you you resort to other. Uh, means of trying to provide the the network of care and and in in fairness they say well we put the safety nets in that you know the mid-levels uh report back to the physician and and if there's a problem uh the physician can step in and and rescue okay and uh if, but if it's a straightforward you know strep throat you know why do you need uh you know an md degree to do that you know so, so there
2: are checks and balances that you know. So there supposedly- are checks and
0: balances, but but what you again? The next step from that is that the institutions need to have integrity, and that yes, that's what yes they're doing. preach. So, yeah, that's what they're that's what they're uh, doing. But for the most part, I I tell you in the healthcare profession, for the most part, in my experience, people do want to do the right thing for the patients, uh, and we're mm-hmm. not talking about. Plastic surgery in Los Angeles and Beverly. <laughs> we're not, not Sorensen. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about that. It's uh, it's like, well, you know, for the most part, you know, uh, Auntie Mavis comes in and she's got a problem with her hip, and we mm-hmm. want to make it better. And whether it's a, it's an operation or physiotherapy or what or yep. you know yep. PMNR, what do you want to do with her? Uh, we want to do the best thing, and it, the, the technical word for that is fiduciary. So we will only. Advocate those things that are in the patient's best interest. Love it.
1: That is something we all can agree on. Right. That's why everybody goes into this field, right? Yeah. The NPs, the APPs. Other than the plastic surgeons in LA. Yeah,
3: those guys.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Anything else, Gary, before we let you go? Any final thoughts?
0: Well, you know, if you go back in time, okay, and we're talking about the 1950s, you know, physicians... Made salaries that were sort of comparable with university professors, and now after all these years, we are we are way ahead of of the uh, reimbursement package, and uh, and so as a profession, we've done very very well, and uh, and we should be very proud of that. Uh, but um, with uh, healthcare, eighty percent, between sixty and eighty percent of healthcare. Is salaries and wages, and as as governments and payers look at reassigning how much they're spending, um, they are going to look at at that. And now it's not fair to say that you can incur a half a million dollar debt in medical school and then ex- be expect to work for one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year. Uh, that's not that's not on. So uh, some kind of check and balance has to come in as as. Uh, there is a potential in the future uh, uh, of seeing decrease in reimbursement for physicians and and how that plays out with uh, the expenses of becoming one. Because you've, you guys have put off your life for many years uh, to, you know, do well at college and do well at, at you know, medical school and then residency. And, you know, it, it, it's a journey. And... Um, And you're not going to be making a a sizable income till quite late in life. And then the catch-up is very, very difficult, uh, as you know, because we don't have the benefit of compounding our – but that's for another podcast, We can talk about.
2: (laughs) I feel like I was on Planet Money for a second.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we can can talk about uh, uh, the white coat investor on a different podcast. Well,
2: the good news is that Santana and I aren't in it for the money. I can tell you that much. I know Santana well, that's for sure.
0: Um, yeah, but you uh, but I just want to urge you one thing. You do have to uh launch the DNA, okay? And you do agreed. need to save. <laughs> you do need to save for your retirement.
2: Agreed, for sure. So,
0: so those two things that go hand in hand and and you know, you do need to go on vacation at no least doubt. to kind of get your mindset. And uh so you do need money. There's, there's no escape from it. And um and, and choose wisely because there are some uh, professions that uh, pay liberally and some professions that you really are working for your, for your uh, m- income.
2: Love it. Love it, Gary. Yeah, right. This is, the, this is the most wisdom we've gotten on any podcast easily. Yes.
1: <laughs> A wisdom overload, really. I love it. Uh, thanks for coming on.
2: Oh,
0: My pleasure, and I hope you've enjoyed yourself, and uh, I look forward to uh, seeing you guys do all sorts of good things. I'm very uh, encouraged by you two, and I think you're going to be great.
2: Oh, I love you too, Gary. Love your whole family. You guys are the best. (laughs) Well,
0: take care, boys. Okay, we'll catch you later. All right, good night. Bye. Bye.
1: What What a great man. I know. You can't beat him. You can't beat him. Wow. That was Gary Vazdev, MD. Uh, I mean, I'm in. Uh, my brain is still in recovery mode.
2: I'm seriously gonna have to listen back to that podcast. Yeah, take notes. What are the What are the top ten things I want to get from that podcast?
1: Gotta launch your DNA.
2: <laughs> he's He's right. The clock's ticking. If you don't. Uh, if you don't lock up Franny, somebody else will. That's that's the lesson to be learned. That's the
1: number 1 lesson from the from the interview. Yeah, thanks for bringing that one up. One of Gary's favorite topics, lecturing me on starting a family. Uh but no, it's true. It's true. I can't I, can't, I don't want to blow this blow this one.
2: Okay, that's the interview. Thank you, Gary. Let's get on. Let's move on. You got the sounder ready?
1: Yeah, what's our next segment?
2: Next segment segment is Kevin's Corner. (laughs) Everybody's
1: favorite segment. What do you got for us this week?
2: Well, it's 4th of July, right? Yes. America's birthday.
1: G-B-A. And
2: I I was thinking, we should go back in time and talk about our medical school's birthday. Do you know how many years they've been around? A hundred? Santana, not even close. Really? Oh, but it's, it's also uh, U of M propaganda that I pulled up on YouTube. So we're going to go through a YouTube video. We're going to oh. pause. We're going to comment. Pause. <laughs> it's okay. going to be great.
1: Is it going to play through into the pod? Uh, yeah, for sure. Oh.
2: it's um, But it's on the theme of the 4th of July, America's birthday. We're going back to University of Minnesota Medical School's birthday. I
1: love it. This is a great idea. Let's hit it.
2: No, no, you can just listen.
4: Celebrating the 125th anniversary of the University of Minnesota Medical Pause.
2: School. Pause. Pause. I was pretty close. No, because it was 125th in 2013. That's pretty They're close. They're 133, dude. That's close enough. <laughs> Anyways, hit keep, it. Keep going.
4: Really a celebration of progress. Being on the cutting edge of medicine. <laughs> oh, being ahead of the curve. Sheesh. Isn't there a way to say that sheesh,
2: they were ahead of their time? Why is she so frazzled? This is in 2013. And she said, sheesh.
1: They were ahead of the curve.
4: What's not a pun? Excellence. Yeah, being excellent. That's what we're all about.
2: What do you think about that? Checks out. (laughs) Very generic so far. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah i'd like to i'd like them let's 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 listen if us get into some specifics okay
4: not only have we been leaders in medical education
1: there's a picture of med students
2: right there can i watch
3: <laughs> yeah sure come, come on, on over sit down
2: sit down over here on the couch <laughs> so uh leaders in medical education there is a stock photo of graduates <laughs> from medical school do you think we're the leaders of medical education? This is from Getty Images. I'd say we are followers. the followers. <laughs> I mean, we're not changing anything.
1: <sighs> I mean, I don't know the history. It's been 130. How many years did you say? 133? 133.
2: Actually, I will say this as, you know, being on student council. We, do ha- we are changing things. We are one of the only schools with bridge counseling, right, with a dedicated therapist. Right. We are one of the... First schools is just do a new grading policy instead of like you know honors we're
1: one of the first
2: uh yeah, because we're using a new policy it's called Entrustable professional activities, oh yeah, so instead of some generic grades, they' like say they say Santana, can you put in lab orders independently right. without review right. or do you need work so i mean this the the med school actually is the leaders in some things, but many things, all right, all right, keep Play going. It.
4: We have performed medical feats that no one before us has done.
2: That's Her- true. Heart transplant. Is that true? I think so. First one at the University of Minnesota. I believe so. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Something to be proud of.
4: We've trained medical leaders.
2: Stock photo of old people and old, ties.
1: Old white folk.
2: <laughs> Happy anniversary, America.
4: We've created new medical devices.
1: It's Minnesota research. tube. What is that? It's uh, It's a like suction decompression tube for people that have uh, bowel obstructions.
2: It's called the Minnesota tube. Yeah.
1: That's pretty cool. Yep.
2: University of Minnesota Medical School right there. Exactly. Now there's a picture of a mouse running around in a bath. That's your specialty. Yep. <laughs> Tell me what the, what's going on there. Uh,
1: so mice, they're very clean animals. <laughs> they love to bathe every day.
4: Our work has changed global policy. We have been a home to some of the most important physicians. <laughs>
2: Most prominent physicians in history. There's three white
1: old dudes in ties that are on the on the screen. Uh it doesn't okay. say who they are. But I mean, do we know any prominent physicians? No, but I'm thinking
2: they could have put anybody on there. Any old white person. And yeah. I would have some, been like, that, che- that, <laughs> yeah, that checks, checks out.
4: 20th century. Today, we're training leaders for the 21st century.
2: That's you and me. We're leaders of the
1: 21st century. I know. Can you believe it?
4: <laughs> and we've been doing this together for how long?
1: How long, Santiago? 133. Yep. They're going to say the wrong
4: 125, 125 old years. old news. Old now news. Now that's excellent.
1: Oh, That is. In 1888,
4: okay. our medical school was very different. In fact, it wasn't even called the medical school. Back then, we were the College of Medicine and Surgery. Things were pretty basic. When we started out, we didn't even have a proper facility to teach in. And as the history books will tell you,
2: entrance was easy, graduation not difficult. (laughs) Huh. (laughs) That's changed. That has changed. Back in 1888, entrance was easy, graduation not difficult. It's a piece of cake, you just show up. Medicine, surgery, boom, boom, boom. Hey. Graduation day. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot harder now.
4: Before we became teachers in 1888, we were a non-teaching medical faculty, which sounds pretty confusing, so let me explain. it
2: definitely does.
4: Beginning in 1883, the University of Minnesota created a medical faculty. And these folks would award a medical degree to anyone who could prove they were a competent physician through a series of exams. Okay. People would prepare for these exams by precepting with a doctor, reading (laughs) medical literature, (laughs) attending some college, and gaining what experience they could. It wasn't ideal. And between 1884 and 1887, only nine medical degrees were awarded by the University of Minnesota. Still, you've got to start.
1: They didn't have a school. Yeah. They were just
2: handing like, Somewhere.
4: <laughs> and as soon as we began, we began to move forward. On to offering Flash the first of the graduate program in medicine. On to conducting the really? first double blind study. On to inventing cross-circulation. What is that? Onto creating the first longitudinal integrated clerkship. Hey, Whoa. Shout out
2: <laughs> RPAP. Hey.
1: Those are some exciting things. Those are some exciting things. For RPAP, sure. number one most exciting for sure. Top
2: of the whole video, except for those three old white dudes in the prominent positions. <laughs> they invented RCTs. <laughs> onto R-C-
4: the first
1: oh. What's up? They invented RCTs. Yeah, I guess so. That's kind of shocking. That, I agree. Transplants. First transplants. And on
4: to today. We are leaders discovering new stem cell treatments, working to cure diabetes, developing new training models, and investing in the future of medicine. So, happy Quasquicentennial, medical school.
3: Uh, That's Quasquicentennial.
1: Quasquicentennial.
2: Happy Quasquicentennial.
1: (laughs) Wow. Did you watch this video before? No,
2: no, I had no idea what to expect. Oh,
1: boy. That's it.
4: It means 125 years. Neat, huh?
1: Not at all neat. <laughs> well, I think we all learned something there. The university uh. used to just give out degrees.
2: <laughs> I thought that'd be pretty good, though. I was thinking about the Fourth of July. We let's celebrate our our history of our medical school. I love it. Yeah, but uh, you know, I'm pretty happy about it. That's Kevin's corner. That's uh, that was it, though. That was the uh path down history that was
1: kevin's corner hit the (laughs) sound all right uh you know what's next next up is our mailbag
2: mailbag let's pray let's play the sounder that we always play at the beginning of the mailbag yep this year july 4th falls on a sunday which means the holiday will
1: be observed the following day yep as a result U.S. Postal Service shops will not be open on Monday, July 5th, the company said on its website. Okay. No mail
2: today. I checked. There was nothing out there. It's July 4th. Wow. (laughs) We'll have to wait till next week.
1: That's just too bad. To check the mail bag. You know, the mail people, they need a day off, too. They
2: need a day off. They need a federal holiday. How about people like you and I? Do we get a federal holiday off tomorrow? Well, here's the thing. (laughs) As Gary said Take every opportunity to learn Even on a federal holiday We're going into work <laughs> Absolutely I will not back down from this opportunity to learn No chance it Sounds like a Hamilton song right there Does it? So anyways I checked the mailbag They, had, they didn't deliver anything today Because it's July 4th Mailbag filled with dust Anyways let me hit the sounder one more time This year July 4th falls on a Sunday <laughs> Thanks for Which hitting means it the again. holiday will be observed the
1: following day No mail As a result U.S. Postal Service shops will not be open on Maybe Monday, like July fifth. The, the company back said on its website. <laughs> I was grooving. So that's our podcast. That was a great episode. Thank you, Gary, oh, coming on. Yes, giving us some wisdom, injecting this podcast a little bit of light, uh, life, <laughs> energy, wisdom. That's what we need. Because. Uh, you and I, no way. 0% wisdom. <laughs> Negative wisdom. <laughs> it's
2: a modern miracle. <laughs>
1: uh, oh, before we go, yes, sir. shout out Chuck Levin's Washington Music Center.
2: He <laughs> got it right.
1: <laughs> My favorite music center in the whole
2: entire country. This beautiful recording equipment comes straight from him and their shop.
1: Thank you,
3: Adam.
2: That's it. Any other shout outs? No. Shout-out to Francesca Pietrantonio. I'm about to go destroy the cake she made. Yeah, no doubt. There's a standing shout-out to her. Standing shout-out. And you committed. We're going to play that back to Franny.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait. (laughs) All right. Uh, Like we say every week, a A bird bird in the the hand hand is worth two two in in the bush. bush. Good night.